I felt like I was being pulled behind a speedboat. He was going so fast that I could barely hold on and felt like I was starting to drown. And I needed to let go of that rope, even if it meant I had to start swimming myself or possibly even drown, but I just couldn't do it anymore. What's up, everybody? This is Matt here with the Husband-in-Law Podcast. This is where we share our stories of love, ex-love, marriage, ex-marriage, divorce, ex-divorce, and coming out of a closet that needed to be open, and so much more. This podcast is for those who are looking to up their relationship game by understanding first yourself and then others, like your wife, your husband, and your wife's ex-husband, on a whole new level. Welcome to the Husband-in-Law Podcast. Let's get this party started. I have known today's guest for over a year and a half now and been able to support and work with her in such a beautiful way. And it has been a long journey of healing and of embracing who she really is. And when she came to me, she realized that she was more afraid of losing herself at that point than losing her partner. And so often in betrayal or in our relationships, it takes us getting to that point where we feel like we have lost who we are before we are ready to embrace what is in front of us, before we are ready to really acknowledge the things that are happening in our relationship. And Micah today so beautifully shares how she went through this process of her partner coming out and then her leaning into what I call perfect partner syndrome and losing who she is and then finding herself again. That is the beautiful part of this story and the gift that we are given as we go through something hard in our life. So I hope that you enjoy Micah's story today. Again, it is so different from the others that I've shared and also this similar experience, but it's different in how it's been navigated. And I want you to know that there is no right or wrong way to navigate this, to navigate betrayal, to navigate having a partner come out. It is your own journey and it is the journey that works for you and your family. And there is nothing wrong with how that looks or how you experience that. It is yours to own and to live through, and then you get to find yourself and come back to yourself in that process. So please enjoy Micah's story today. Okay, Micah, I am so excited to have you here on the podcast today. We have gotten to know each other very well, I would say, over the last, how long has it been? Like year and a half? Year? Yeah, September, October of 2022. Oh my gosh, that just blows my mind that we've been working together for that long. And I love it. We are going to dive. (laughs) You've been saving yourself. I've just been gifted the opportunity to uh, assist you in the process for sure. So, and we're going to hear about that process because it has been quite a journey for you. Do you feel like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So to start with, I would love to have you share how you and Fletcher, this is not actually his real name. We are going to put that out there. Um, How you and Fletcher first met and what that was like when you guys first started dating and started your relationship. Oh, when we first met, that's going back um, to 2001. And um, it was nine months after I lost my first husband in a rock climbing accident. So I was dealing with a lot of grief, but starting to feel I was getting out of the worst of it. So we met at a, at a wedding in 
uh, San Francisco, as as you do, <laughs> not just in the movies. Um, he was friends with the groom, and I was friends with the bride. Uh, I was living in Chicago at the time, uh, and yeah, I, uh, from what he said, um, he was uh, attracted to me from right from the first sight, and switched seats with his friend to sit next to me. And yeah, there it went from there. Um, turned out that he had taken on a job that was based in Chicago. And uh, we exchanged phone numbers and email addresses. And uh, on there he had the his birth year. And that was younger than me. <laughs> and I was 24 at the time. And I was surprised. Um, but uh, he's, I thought he would never get in touch with me. But then a month later, he did call and we started going out as I was getting these um, gift certificates to sports games and especially nice restaurants um, from some really nice old guy who I guess just felt sorry for me. <laughs> uh, he never wanted anything back. I just kept getting these gift certificates in the mail. So that's how we got to know each other. And in the beginning, he just really made me laugh. And uh, I, I really enjoyed his company. And it took about nine months or so for more to develop <laughs> into that. And yeah, and then we started really dating. He moved in with me really quickly. And within a few months, we both moved out to California together. And mm. yeah, there we went from there. It was all, for me, the love grew, but probably because I needed to heal from my grief and my my first loss. But yeah, we, we were a really good couple and and strong and harmonious. And it was always interesting. <laughs> for I sure. love that. I love that you said he made you laugh because I know when we're coming out of something really heavy, like you were having somebody who can make us laugh, like mixed in with that grieving process is such a gift. Yeah. So I relate was, to that one for sure. It was very healing. <laughs> Good. Good. Okay. So let's fast forward. You have a couple of daughters together. You start this life together. How far into your relationship, at what point did Fletcher come out to you as gay? Or did he? What was that process like for you? So by the time, at that time, we were living in Germany for a few years. Um, so I could be closer to my mother mostly. And and uh, through his job, we were able to do so. So I had my support system around me, but he never really felt comfortable in Germany, even though he is European as well, but never made friends. And he became very angry. So we're talking year um, 2015. Okay. And we were already planning to move back to the United States within the next year or two. But I kept thinking with an angry person like that, I don't know if I want to stay with him. Mm. Um he would just lose it and just be miserable and lashing out at innocent people, like random people. And uh, so there I was starting to have my doubts. And then in the summer of 
2015. This was kind of funny looking back. Um, it was the first day of our two-week vacation together, and we were in France on our way to the UK, and uh, had we're going to have just drinks and maybe some appetizers because it was early for dinner sat down in this restaurant and he was being nasty to our little girl again. And I finally said, you know, if this is going to be the whole vacation, you can just go and leave because I will be just fine. We will be just fine without you. That's what I said. That's how bad it was. And uh, so we got up, we didn't have any drinks or anything to eat there. He said, let's just uh, make some food at the studio hotel. We had a kitchenette there. So he cooked us dinner and got the girls to bed. And then he sat down, I need to talk to you. Uh, so what was that? How many years into our marriage? Uh, 2015. So 14 years after we got to know each other, 13 mm -hmm. years after we've dated and, you know, a good 10 years into our marriage. Uh, and he said, you know, I'm, I'm bi. And I thought it was going to be something so much bigger. I thought, oh, I, you know, I've, I've had a girlfriend or what, because he travels a lot and certainly has the opportunity to, to lead a, a life on the side. Mm -hmm. And to me, that was just, oh, is that it? <laughs> and, but you're not seeing anyone? Okay. Um, well, that's fine. And, you know, I still love you the same. And, I think we can manage that. Are you still, do you still want to be with me or what do you want to do now? I asked and he goes, I don't know. I just needed this to come out. Um, it's been like a tumor growing inside of my brain and it's been eating me up. And that's why I've been so angry. And I don't think it's fair to you and the girls. He said, uh, you need to know this. And he thought that that would be the last night he would put his girls to bed and mm. that I would kick him out for sure. Um, so yeah, um, the vacation was interesting, but it really <laughs> made, I want to say our connection really, uh, grow and, and, um, yeah, I finally, it, it unveiled all of this anger and he felt so much better. He was kind and it was just out. This tumor was pulled out. It felt like it. And we really did have this, what people do mention sometimes, this honeymoon phase of mm -hmm. after coming out. It was great um, in every way. <laughs> yeah. Then we did move to the back to the U.S. And it was maybe the first time it was a good 10 months, if not even a year, because we were busy moving and new job. and But then he would start getting angry again. <laughs> and... I was just, what's going on? I know this anger. And he, he felt, you know, now that he had opened this door, um, that he needed to start exploring. And yeah, it first started that he would just see some guys over in Europe. And with my permission, he didn't cheat. He always told me. And then it would, he would be better again. And every three to six months or so, we would, it, we, it was always a roller coaster, ebb and flow, and it just never calmed down. And he would just get antsy again. And 
so it he went down the road of exploration and what would just be a fleeting encounter then became uh, friends with benefits and then the one time he did not tell me about someone he was seeing was uh, when that was right after COVID and COVID really was a blow to him again because he felt very much imprisoned at home and he started having a relationship over grinder with the guy and again he became mean and I noticed I said what's going on and he's for the first time he had feelings for this guy mm. and uh, that really changed things for me that was hard and he said that's the first time he suggested for him to move out for a bit and that is the first time I really felt I can't take this for granted anymore. I might be losing him. And this is where I really, really, really started to become, like you say, that perfect wife. Perfect and partner syndrome. Yes, I did everything so that he, I really lost myself. And it was all about him and making sure that he would be happy and stay here for me. So we started having an open marriage and I, I, it just wasn't right for me. And, and I was not happy with that until after about a year of that, I, I broke and, and I said, uh, I can't do this anymore. I need to take a break. And yeah, that was my breakdown <laughs> point. Okay. At that point, Micah, when you hit that point of, I have to take a break, what did you feel like? Like your body, your emotions, what what was happening in you? Oh, I was absolutely drained. I felt like I've been carrying and taking on more and more of a load. And I was it was a breaking point. I just could not do it anymore. I was I was rock bottom down on my knees. I, I, I didn't know what else to do. I knew the alternative at that point did not look good for me. I knew I was risking losing him and or our ending our relationship. But no matter, I just could not go on the way it was going at that point. I knew that. So it, okay. The way I actually, most of the time describe it as that time of our open marriage, especially there and, and um, things were just speeding up so much. I felt like I was being pulled behind a speedboat. He was the speedboat and he was going so fast that I could barely hold on and felt like I was starting to drown and I needed to let go of that rope, even if it meant, you know, I had to start swimming myself or possibly even drown, but I just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. And this is about the time I met you. So that was in June. And then I backpedaled a little bit a few weeks later, one more time going, okay, maybe I can do this. Maybe I can do this. And um, I went to, uh, at that time, I was still able to take a little time off work and uh, took the girls to, to see family in Europe. And most of it was apart. And it was then that 
we had one more weekend. Fletcher and I had one more weekend together in London without the kids. And he showed me all these places that he's been wanting to show me. It was really nice. And, um, but then that Sunday morning, he said to me that it, emotionally, I'm it. Um, and intelligence wise, I'm it. But physically, he's no longer attracted to me. And that's where I was just, Okay. And there was, we didn't blow up. It was just, we were sitting peacefully at, out at breakfast and, but it had come to this and I was just, well, then there really is nothing I can do because, because that is a big part of a loving relationship. And I said, I think that ends our romantic relationship. And, um, when I came back home, beginning of September, um, that we we talked one more time. It ended that, and uh, yes, uh, he hates when I bring it up. But very quickly, he met um, his current boyfriend then, and they're now living together. And yeah, so he just—it felt to me like he just needed me to release his mm-hmm. the, the the leash and the chain and let him go. Yeah. And here I was picking up the pieces. Yeah. Yeah. And that's been a long process. I mean, you and I have been working together for a while in helping you gain those pieces. And it's been interesting, like just this week. I mean, you've had huge breakthroughs along the way in this process. And just this week, it felt like you released and hit this point where you're like really ready to release Fletcher and move on and take hold of your life now yeah it took this long for me it and there was a time not long ago where I realized I'm not there yet I need more time because I in my mind when I would really go deep in thought I think well I'll take him back again (laughs) and and until very recently so when you hit that rock bottom and felt like okay I'm ready There's this interesting thing that happens, and I've been through this cycle too, of where we feel like it is scarier to lose the other person than to lose ourselves. So we keep giving up ourselves to this other person, and then we get to a point where our body and our soul and our mind is like screaming at us that, no, you, I'm I'm disappearing, and I need you to come back to me. And so the work we actually have done together is getting you connected back to yourself and finding you again. And what, I mean, we've taken little steps. It's been, and that's what we do our whole lives. It's like these little steps forward. What does it feel like now to be finding you again? (laughs) It's the best, really. I, I mean, I remember when we started working then that September, the first question you asked me, I always bring it up. It's, um, what do you like? And I could not give you an answer. I really couldn't. And yeah, that's what we've been working on. And you've witnessed it, but that little girl and um, I'm back. I completely lost her, completely lost her in this. And I now 
have my values. I live according to my values and I just feel whole and I can take on the world now. I have visions of the future of what I want to do and whether there's somebody on my side or not. I know I'm I'm not going to be lonely. I'm 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 a person who who's okay being alone at times and I need it, but you know, whoever wants to join me on the journey, be my guest, but I've learned all of this that become a friend with myself again. <laughs> that is so beautiful. And I love that you've switched this thinking to from trying to show up perfectly for your partner, for Fletcher, as you were doing, like you were giving everything away, everything you could think of, you were giving to him and doing what he wanted and needed and, or what at least he thought he wanted and needed. And now it's like you are ready to invite somebody in on your journey that ideally fits with their journey of like, let's go do these things together. These are the things I want to do. I'm going to do them on my own or with somebody. So like that makes me so excited for you that you're ready to embrace this on your own or with somebody or however that ends up looking. So the big thing I notice, the big change is when I was not well uh, a couple of years ago, I would wake up in the mornings and I was upset that I was waking up and oh, what am I waking up mm. to now? And whereas now I wake up in the mornings and I wake up with a smile. I really do. Whether I, it's a work day or not, or it's early or Sunday morning, I, I'm excited to get up and um, make the most out of this day or see what this day has in store for me. I'm feeling much better. <laughs> That's like such a huge shift and something that I'm so glad you feel because every day needs your light, Micah, and your joy and your energy. Um, and some days it's great to feel like I need to stay in bed or I'm going to embrace this hard day and all of that that's still bringing your light and energy and it's recharging that light and energy so that you can share it with the world and the work that you do. You literally do life-giving work in your life and I'm so glad you have that energy and ferocity to go do that and to give that to your girls. They need that and they get to play with you now and enjoy you know, the playful side of their mom and what a beautiful gift for them. I'm the cringy mom now. <laughs> ah. That's how we're supposed to be. We've got, you know, tweens and teenagers. We're supposed to be cringy. I'm like fully embracing that. Um, and also know that it's giving them space to be themselves someday to realize that I'm okay being who I am, dancing in stores and being goofy and having fun. And I know one day they're going to embrace whatever that looks like for them. And you're doing the same for your girls. Like, let's be cringy all the way. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> I know at a point, even up until recently, it's been scary for you to think about divorce and to actually take this step over of, you know, that symbolic step of releasing your relationship completely. Does that still feel scary for you? It's definitely been scary in the past, but I am ready now. I come from my family background of really nasty divorces. So the D word was traumatic for me, for my siblings. Um, it's in, in my family, it was just, you don't talk 
to each other anymore. And I just could not envision this because I still had so much affection and mm -hmm. feelings for Fletcher that I was very hesitant to to get a divorce. And we've done it with uh, mediation, which I feel so comfortable with rather than going through lawyers. And it's been a surprisingly smooth process for me so far. And we're just about to um, hand in the papers. I'm, I'm ready now. And there was no nasty battle at all. Um, quite the contrary. And uh, I feel secure and like, I feel that it's fair and we can do this now. So confident. <laughs> and I think part of that, Matt and I have talked a lot about fairness in relationships because we want things to be fair and it just isn't ever fair. Like it's not fair, but what we're actually wanting. And I think part of what you're feeling now is you feel safe. There's a safety now of knowing things are in place, knowing that you're going to be okay after after this is all taken care of. And therefore, it makes it feel fair, which is amazing and great. But I think it's always interesting how those two things kind of go together. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> now I've got her thinking <laughs> about safety. And that safety, you feel safe in yourself again, Micah, which is a huge deal to feel that safety. And I know that coming with the divorce, there's a, so many of us worry about financially what this looks like. And there's some safety there. Um, that's one of the gifts of actually moving forward with a divorce or a separation is that there's a security there of finances and knowing what the future is going to look like, even though it does feel scary and different. So, yeah, I think I needed to find myself again there to, to be able to, I don't want to say lean on, but myself as a partner <laughs> yes, um, because in, initially I felt yeah completely drowning and lost with um losing Fletcher there and and um like he keeps saying you haven't lost me and um I want to put in there that we've um we've still been able to hold up a relationship which you know mm -hmm. it takes healing and work and it it will take some more healing still, but uh, I think we will probably still be in each other's lives, not only for the girls, um, you know, in a different way. And I accept that now, but he's not completely lost. Not how my, you know, not like my first husband, he, he'll still be around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Micah, thank you so much for first and foremost, investing in yourself and getting the support and help you need and um, letting me be a part of that. It's been a beautiful gift and I hope to continue that in whatever that looks like moving forward, but also for being willing to come here and share what this journey has been like for you. It's been a wild ride of lots and ups and downs. And I know that by you sharing your experience, it's going to help so many people who are going through something similar know they're not alone and that there is hope on the end of this journey. So thank you. Thank you for having me, Jessica. I look forward to some more rides. 
<laughs> Me too, man. <laughs> okay, my friend, if you are like Micah and have lost part of who you are, if you have leaned into perfect partner syndrome and you're like, I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know what I want. I need to know what I want after betrayal, whether you are still in the relationship or whether you have decided to leave. That is like where I am really good at working with women is through that process of do I stay? Do I leave? And if you've already left, if you've already decided to stay, like I am here to support you. And I have a whole group of individuals who have experienced something similar who are ready to support you as well. There is so much power in knowing you are not alone as you go through this experience. So if you are ready to say, you know what, I'm ready for healing. I want to know who I am again. I want to figure out what I want post-betrayal. Then please join us at the free workshop that is happening in February. I believe it is February 21st. You can get on the wait list now for that. I have not officially opened up registration, but get on the wait list now because it is coming very soon and I would love you to be a part of that. You can go to the show notes and get on the wait list or you can go to theboldlogic.com forward slash what now wait list and you can join us there. My friend, there is healing for you. There is hope. You can experience what Micah experienced to wake up happy in the mornings. And I just think that is such a beautiful thing that she now gets to feel that. And yes, I'm getting teary as I'm talking about that because that lights my soul on fire to hear of individuals who are now waking up feeling differently, ready to embrace their lives. And I have been able to see it firsthand and watch that light come back into Micah's life as she has experienced that. And I am so grateful, humbled, and inspired to have been a part of that. And I hope that you will join us so that you can have that experience too. Sending you all of the love, my friend, cheering you on in all of the things that you have going on in your life, whatever that might be, I am here for you, cheering you on. Please know you're not alone. And we will catch you again next week on the Husband-in-Law Podcast. 